1: Welcome to episode 32 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing very well today. That's good. Anything
0: new going on with you? No, i just tell you, the last time I recorded, my back was a little twingy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we recorded those two episodes back to back. So I was sitting here for like four hours and I got up and could hardly walk. Yikes. So Thursday and Friday, I spent both days at the chiropractor getting some treatment and nothing makes you feel old like a sore (laughs) back yeah that's true (laughs) i mean it is the worst i couldn't roll over in bed but i woke up today and i was feeling pretty good so that's good i'm like okay it always makes you thankful for your health when oh yeah when you had a little issue and then you bounce back and you're like oh
1: my gosh i'm so glad to be able to move today and be pain-free you don't realize also how many movements rely on that lower back. Oh, yeah. Like everything. I have
0: problems with my SI joint. And when I went in, the chiropractor's like, uh, your right leg is about two inches shorter than your left leg. So let's fix that. Wow. <laughs> like, yes, let's do that. And I was still really sore at work. But I have two amazing coworkers who went and got almost all my patients for me this weekend. And I didn't have to push and pull patients. They were right there helping me. That's good.
1: They knew they knew I was struggling. I, Chad needs to go to the chiropractor. I can't get him to go. It's like he doesn't believe that they're going to do something. For, he has something going wrong with his back.
0: I know for he months did a, now.
1: Yes, since January when he was a new semester and he was start. He had did this repetitive motion where he was punching holes in a workbook that he binds for his students, and it has not been right since then. And he just won't go. I'm like, come on now, a chiropractor is where you go. Go to it. Won't do it. So I don't know how to talk him into it. I'm a fan
0: of chiropractors I had a bad injury in 2008. And they really got me back to where I could ride a bike again and, you know, be functional again. But they're not all the same. I tell people shop around and I went to one on Thursday who was not able to get my hips back in alignment. And so I went to a different one on Friday. And he popped me right in and of course, I was still really sore. I mean, I was swollen so bad. My lower back, that back, lower back was swollen. Yeah. So it took a while for the swelling to go down. I was icing it all weekend. But if you find a good one who, you know, really can adjust you and know your body, they can really be life-changing.
1: Yeah, I guess that's it. If he went to one that wasn't a great one first, he would, that'd be for it. forget it forever. <laughs> I will okay. tell
0: you, if you go to a chiropractor and all they want to do is sell you supplements, go run, go away. Yeah. I mean, there are good chiropractors out there, and there are bad chiropractors, just like anything. So Everything. You're exactly right. So, Well, every week we start our show with our good news segment, and today's customer shout out comes from Tina Strub. And I'm going to be honest, it made me cry when I read this, so I'll try not to cry when I read it today. So she wrote, and she said, this story does not have a good start to it, but I want to give the company Chewy... A shout out, and if you don't know what Chewy is, it's an online pet supply company. She said, my 15-year-old Sheltie passed away last week. He had been on a special diet, and I had an extra bag of $50 food from Chewy. I called to see if I could return it, and she asked my dog's name and what had happened. She then proceeded to refund my money and told me to donate the food to a local animal shelter. The biggest surprise came the next day as I arrived home to find a flower delivery with a card from the Chewy customer service agent that I had spoken with the day before. They
1: will forever get my business. That is a great story. Yes. And that will make me want to use Chewy as well. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. They don't sponsor our podcast. They don't even know we're alive. (laughs) But Chewy sounds amazing. Yeah. No, it was after
0: that, a friend... That we both know, Reagan, that was on the Delay on not Deny cruise. She gets her food. She fosters kittens. Oh. So she gets her food from Chewy. And she was on Facebook and said, Chewy just sent me a ton of friend referral coupons, more than I could ever give out. So if somebody wants one, let me know. And so she, I said, me, me, me. Because after I read this, I was like, I'm going to start ordering my food from Love Chewy. It.
1: Love it. So, a fostering kittens, that's got to be both fun and also, can you imagine? Kittens, they're like such a mess. Well, the puppies oh my are gosh. a mess too, but I do love kittens. You know, I have a grand kitten right now. Yes. Will has a new kitten, which is not a girl, by the way. What? He sent me a message the other day and he said, Pepper is a boy. And
0: I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's Pepper now. Is this it like was, its
1: third name? Well, it, he was going to name it Moira. Uh huh. After, I guess, was that Schitt's Creek? Uh-huh. Moira on Schitt's Creek. And I was like, all right, whatever you think. One day, we're going to name a cat, Cat. Right. Cat Stevens. I, I can't love get anyone to do it. Well, almost was on board for a minute. I'm like, you can name it Cat. Cat Stevens. No, won't do it. Anyway, I thought this was going to be the one. It wasn't. And he's a musician. I know. So you would think he would get it, and he likes things that are funny. And, but see, we've had this kind of this Beatles thing with our pets. Right, you know, um, we've got Ringo, who just had his eleventh anniversary of of living with us day before yesterday, and when we got him, his adoption day, eleventh anniversary of his adoption day, and then we've got Ellie, which is Eleanor Rigby, and Lucy is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So now we've got Sergeant Pepper, ah, Pepper, okay. Sergeant Pepper, which actually is kind of funny because when the boys were little, for whatever reason, you know how you you have like little names for like. Private parts. Maybe some families just call them their anatomical <laughs> yes. name, but we used the term Sergeant Pepper for whatever reason. That was the term we used with my little boys, and so well, I was like, "Well, <laughs> I guess that's fitting for a little boy, oh. Sergeant Pepper."
0: Anyway, and now he named his cat Sergeant Pepper.
1: Well, yeah. And now that it's it's a boy, is more fitting. So more fitting how we used to use the terminology <laughs> in the Stevens house. I would like that terminology to take off and. I think that's pretty good terminology. <laughs> Sergeant Pepper. <I> don't know. <laughs> anyway, good times. So, listeners, go to Chewy, and we also need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service, give a shout out to a special someone in your life, tell us an amazing story, or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And I'm just going to talk about... Three of them, (laughs) three companies in general. If you go to the favorite things tab at JenStevens.com, I have so many things listed there, but I have three different meal delivery companies, meal kit delivery companies um, listed. And, you know, I was thinking, Sherry, I was interviewing somebody for intermittent fasting stories a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about, you know, how hard it is to figure out what to cook and what meals to have with her family, and how she tended to go through, you know, like fast food. And I'm like, you're telling my story from before, prior to 2016. That is how I ate. But as soon as I started with meal, meal kit delivery companies, it changed my life and changed the way I was eating. And and I actually said, and it really kind of like struck me right at that moment when I was talking to her in the podcast that. The number one thing that's changed my life the most: intermittent fasting. Number two might be meal kit delivery. Is that dumb? Not really, because
0: if you really don't have a background for good nutrition and good balanced meals, and even if you're not even a great cook or you've never like learned how to cook, like that's what meal kits provide. Well, and it's not even that they kind of bring that whole thing together. It's the and convenience it just simplifies too. Exactly, it's everything. It because simplifies I, your yeah. life.
1: I have a real hard time meal planning Mm -hmm. and just a very hard time with it. I have all these cookbooks. I love looking at the cookbooks, but I have a really hard time figuring out what to make. And I always get in a rut. Like I tried, you know, during the early parts of the pandemic when things were hard, I tried to I was like, I'm just going to do it on my own. Right. And I could never figure out what to cook. So going back to the meal kit delivery is just right for me. So the ones that I really use, the three of them that I use the most are listed at JenStevens.com on the Favorite Things tab. And I would really encourage listeners to check out any of them. I have referral links there. They do help me bring you the podcast. But you know, I'm using Home Chef, sending it to Will. Every week, I send him a couple of meals. And he oh, he has a girlfriend now. Yes. Yes. You and so they're that. cooking together, which is exciting. That is but cute. It's, you know, he's like, yeah, I can do it. But it's teaching him how to cook. And I'm using both Sun Basket and Green Chef because it's it's really important to me to eat organic foods, especially, you know, with the research I've done on cleanish. And so those make it possible for me to do that. And it's just so easy. I just make my choices. Boom, boom, boom. They show up. We eat good food. And I'm trying things that I've never had before. So JenStevens.com, check out the Favorite Things tab. Use one of those, those links and see what you think. Try all three and then perfect. choose the one you like the best.
0: All right. And now it is time for us to talk about our life lesson of the week. So back in January, we uh, introduced a book to the community, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. In one of our episodes in January, we said that we were going to be doing a book study and we encouraged our listeners and members of our Facebook group to get the book and, and read it and then follow along. And we did some guided posts like every other day through the month of March. And they were really fabulous. The people that participated and shared um, just got really real. And it, it
1: was just very thought provoking and, and very meaningful, I thought. It really was. It was right before I left Facebook and I left in the middle of it. But at the very beginning before I left Facebook, I was amazed at the vulnerability, at the sharing. We had someone helping us lead it and she was absolutely incredibly amazing and and posed great questions for everyone. Mm-hmm. She did a really really awesome job. Yeah, she did. Well,
0: so when this episode comes out, it's going to be my birthday week. I believe this comes out July 7th and my birthday's. And did you
1: know? Do you know what July 7th is? What? It's my anniversary. Anniversary,
0: that's right. The
1: day this episode comes out is my 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: I wish I was turning
1: 30 on July 8th. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to be 30 forever. Well, we can be, thanks to intermittent fasting. That's true.
0: So I feel like this episode is my birthday gift to you. So when I first heard about the book, it was recommended to me. And I had been through just several years of some pretty traumatic experiences and I just didn't feel like myself anymore. I, I had a lot of self-doubt. I, I felt broken. I had a lot of anxiety. I was down on myself. I was down on my luck. And I met my husband, and he helped me in so many ways. He was so different than the people I had in my life. But he would compliment me, and I'm not a person who's ever really received compliments in my life. And um, he would tell me I was gorgeous, and I would get so embarrassed. And I would, I would actually say, no, I'm not. And he would get so mad. You know, he would tell me I was smart. And in my head, I would think, no, I'm not smart. If I was smart, I wouldn't have found myself in these situations. If I was smart, I wouldn't keep putting my trust and faith into people who hurt me. Um, and he would really get his feelings hurt because he would pay me these compliments and he genuinely believed them. And I would throw them back at him. I really just kind of thought, oh, he's just saying nice things to, to get me. You know, he's just saying it for the sake of saying nice things. Okay, well, fast forward seven years later, my husband doesn't say nice things unless he means them. He is a person that if he says something, he means it. And if he doesn't, (laughs) he doesn't want to say something nice, he just won't say anything at all. But um, his compliments really made me squirm. Like they made me feel like a fraud and I just felt really unworthy of them. Like, I mean, if I were kind and beautiful, then why had every man I'd ever been with cheated on me? Uh, If I was smart, why would I keep choosing men who were bad for me? And so we actually were talking about this in a counseling session. And it was actually my husband's counseling session. And he brought it up and said that he was hurt because he would pay me compliments and I would throw him in his face. And she said... If you do not accept a compliment graciously, it is like you are returning a gift unopened. A compliment is a gift somebody gives you. And if you don't accept it, then I can just picture that. It's like somebody handing you a gift and you say, no, thank you. And you hand it back. And that's really what I was doing. My husband was giving me gifts and I was throwing them back at him unopened. Another thing his counselor said was that when we walk around feeling embarrassed about our lives, our choices, our looks, our personalities, that that embarrassment that we're feeling is not embarrassment, it is shame. And that was really the first time I had really heard the word shame and thought of it. So she recommended two books to me to read. And the first one was The Gifts of Imperfection. And the second is called Daring Greatly and they are both by Brene Brown. She is one of the most respected shame researchers in the field. And I mean, really just after years of abuse, infidelity, lies, I had zero self-esteem. I was truly immersed in shame. Once I understood what shame was, I realized that this feelings of unworthiness and um, being misunderstood and feeling flawed and lacking, it all came back to shame. So I downloaded the, the book. Actually, I bought the book and, and I started to read it. And I kept reading and I kept thinking, this isn't for me, this isn't for me. It made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable to read. And it would feel personal. So eventually, I commute a long ways. I downloaded it and I started listening to it. And as I would listen to Brene, she's very personable. She, She reminds me of Jen a lot. She's just real down to earth and she's funny. And I would listen to her and she would tell stories. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've done that. And I could suddenly apply the book to me. And I started seeing so much of myself and some of her stories. So I went back, got the paper copy, picked it back up, read it from cover to cover like three times. And each time I learned a little bit something different and I was able to pick up pieces and really to say, I mean, it was life-changing for me in so many ways. I just learned so much about myself, um, my stories that I was carrying around my head that were false stories about my ability to forgive myself or forgive others for things that they had said or did to me. And one thing I learned is that I was putting more pressure on myself than anybody else was ever putting on me. And little by little, I could see what stories I had to rewrite and which thoughts I had to let go of and really just be more present in my life and accept that this is where I was, this is what's happened, but that's not where I have to go forward from here. And when we are really able to just release shame and we are able to see that we are all flawed and and that's okay, uh, we are all worthy, and we are good enough. And I went from feeling just lost. I was, like, disconnected from the world. I had disconnected from friends. And through the work I did—see, I'm, like, getting teary talking about yeah, this. <laughs> it's powerful stuff. I was able to find connection again. And I was able to do that by loving myself and forgiving others. And finding love and working on joy and gratitude, right? And all of that I got from this one book.
1: you know, Brene really is amazing. She is a researcher. This is not just woo-woo feel good stuff. And that's what I think is so important. You know, she's done the work. and I mean, it 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 does change your life, but it's it's not just, you know, platitudes. It makes you dig deep. One thing I love about the book is when you pick it up, you can just literally, pick it up, flip to any page in it at random and just start reading that page. And you're going to find, I mean, like literally probably that's what we should all do every day. Pick it up, randomly pick a page, read it and think about that page. It does sit
0: on my end table. And when I'm reading Coffee in the morning, especially if something's happened and I'm sort of beating myself up about it or I'm unsure about something, uh, if I'm not trusting my gut about something, I will pick up the book and I will reread, you know,
1: certain... Um, passages in the book. I mean, it's it's like a counseling session in your hand. It is. It's almost like too much to sit down and start on page one and read all the way through. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just do it like that. It's not really that kind of book. This is a book that you, I mean, you can certainly do that. But then you need to like go back and reread this part and reread that part. Right, and right. And that's powerful. why kind of
0: why we set up our book study the way we did and that we would, you know, put a prompt out there and we would leave it there. And then we would wait a couple of days before we put another prompt out there, because our hope was like that people would read the book, start to gain some understanding and then revisit it and, and really think about the principles and think about how the book
1: applies to you. So one of the one of the terms that Brene has in her book that's so um, impactful is you know, she's coined a term called wholeheartedness. You know, she explains in her book that for humans to live lives full of love and belonging, which is really all we want, that is all. Like, really, your your base need to feel alive and to be happy is you, you want to feel loved and you want to feel belonging. But in order to have that love and belonging, you have to feel worthy of the love and the belonging. And that's where wholeheartedness comes in. According to Brene, if you embrace wholehearted living, It means that you're engaging in your life from a place of worthiness. And, you know, when I I hear what you were just talking about, Sherry, all the struggles that you had for all those years, you were not coming from a place of worthiness. Absolutely not. No. And so when you didn't feel worthy of the love and belonging, you did not embrace that you were loved and, and you did belong. Well, and what you put out to the world is what you get back. I truly believe that. That's true.
0: Well, it's like a mirror. So if I put out that I am not worthy of love and respect, then I'm not getting back love and respect.
1: Yeah. It reflects back to you just the way a mirror reflects the way you look. Mm-hmm. You know, your experience reflects back to you what you put out there, the energy that you put out there. And and that's also not woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it is. You know, if you go through life and you just smile and radiate positive energy, you are going to get that back. It's powerful stuff. So, you know, you've got to cultivate the courage, the compassion and the connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done, no matter what is undone, I am enough it's about going to bed at night and you know we are imperfect it's the gifts of imperfection right we're we're not expected to be perfect we try so hard and that is all that's all just an illusion you know i'm imperfect we're vulnerable sometimes we're afraid but on the flip side we're also brave and worthy of love and worthy of belonging somewhere we we belong where we're meant to be so you know we we were hustling, kind of hustling for this worthiness instead of claiming the worthiness. So it's really a matter of getting rid of those old stories that we have in our head. I just read a book recently that I shared with you know the, some of the people in, in a, in a faith or a messenger group that we're in, and it was what is it, the monkey mind? Yeah, what's the, the whole title? I can't think of it. Releasing the monkey mind or something like that. And it's the same kind of a thing. We have stories that we tell ourselves, and it colors all of the interactions that we have because we keep going back to those old scripts it might be you know you're not good enough you're not pretty enough you're not smart enough whatever and you have to lay down those stories by talking about them instead of keeping them deep inside we have to figure out why we feel that way and then make an action plan to overcome those feelings so to do that wholehearted living that Brene talks about, it's got to be a choice that we make every day. And you have to let go of those things that are holding you back and be willing to live in a way that's courageous, showing compassion, and also connection with other people. Because that's really hard. It can be hard to show compassion to somebody else instead of, you know, like, like judging. But if you're doing a lot of judging them, maybe you're coming from a place of judging yourself. Well, and I think compassion
0: starts with self-compassion. Absolutely. It's hard to have compassion for other people if you haven't learned how to show yourself compassion.
1: Yep. And I, I just pulled up, I had a picture of the, the book. It's Addicted to the Monkey Mind. I knew I had it somewhere. See, we change have the, the brain. There you I, go. You pulled it too. It too. <laughs> we both did. So Addicted to the Monkey Mind, change the programming that sabotages your life. And it's not as good of a read as, as Brene Brown. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I tried to get my husband to read it. Chad, he was like, uh-uh, nope. Uh, page two, he said, "That's nope, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But it, it's got that same kind of message that we've got this programming that really is the root of so many of our problems. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, these guideposts and these, you know, this discussion that Sherry and I are doing cannot replace immersing yourself in the book for yourself, The Gifts of Imperfection. We're just going to gloss over the guideposts but this is, please do not just listen to us. And no, you need to go to that book. You need to put it on your bedside table. Get the get the hardback copy. Don't get it on Kindle. Listen on Audible, and get the hardback copy. And come back, come back to it. That's really what I would recommend. Don't you think? I I do often
0: listen to it in the car. Still, like I'll just I put hate. it on. I'll, I haven't I'll done that. I to need to do chapter it. Chapter that I like, and the new hardback copy. I actually reordered it. Um, I have the old paperback, but I have the new, the 10th anniversary edition. That's the one I have. I have the 10th anniversary. And in the back of it is actually like a little workbook area where you can actually, you know, write down pages that are important to you. What do you need to think about? What do you need to work on? And, and so it's got a little bit of a application. Yes. Uh huh. You read it and then decide how you need to apply it to your life. And it's, it's
1: going to be different for everybody. It's going to make you have different aha moments than Sherry and I have. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. We're all works in progress. But being able to flip your own scripts is really the lies that we tell ourselves. And I could certainly go on and on about the lies I tell myself.
0: (laughs) So in this wholehearted living, Brene developed 10 guideposts. And these were all developed through her research. And a lot of her research was, she just talks to people. And she talked to people who were struggling she talked to people who were thriving. And what she learned were that people who are thriving, people who are living a wholehearted life, they subconsciously have implemented these guideposts to their life that help guide them and and shape them. So I think I live a pretty wholehearted life.
1: I think you do. I mean, we all have areas that are not perfect. I've got things I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But in general, I think that I've been able to to do a lot of these things just naturally.
0: Yeah. I think, well, I think people I would like to think that people start out living life this way, right? And then situations happen, events happen, yes. trauma happens, and you start to build up walls and you start That's true. to carry hurt. And and so for me, a lot of this was getting back to basics. So guidepost one is cultivating authenticity, letting go of what people think. That is so huge. Living authentically takes practice. You are not born into it. You have to cultivate it. It is about showing up every day, deciding to be real, to be honest, to be seen. Brene writes, authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we are supposed to be and embracing who we are. And we talked last week with um, Bet. Lucas about living boldly. And, you know, we talked then a little bit about authenticity, it's about the freedom to be you. It means that you allow yourself the right to be imperfect, you allow yourself to make mistakes, you learn to set boundaries, Um, Boundaries are a really important part of living authentically. Um, You allow yourself vulnerability. It is exercising compassion both for yourself and others. It's recognizing both your strengths and your struggle, and it's just nurturing the connections and sense of belonging we feel when we believe that we are enough. And I have to credit Jen. When I was doing a lot of this work, is when I found Jen's "Delay, Don't Deny" community, and it gave me a sense of community. And it allowed me a space where people didn't know my history. They didn't know where I came from. They didn't know my struggles. I could just be boldly me.
1: And I saw you for who you were from day one. You, you seemed to me, you presented a very authentic Sherry. And it was one that I liked. <laughs> I immediately, and you, you, were, you were not shy about talking about your struggles. You, you talked about the struggles even with fasting. Because the struggles make me, me.
0: Exactly, I, that's right. I mm-hmm. want everybody to to know that we all struggle yep, in some way or another. And by holding that inside, you're not helping yourself and you're not helping others. Others need to see that, we're human. We struggle. We have bad days. We have good days. So, you know, ask for help on your bad days. Exactly. And ask for, ask for some compassion if you need some compassion. And then on your good days, you're the one that's showing somebody compassion.
1: Exactly. Yep. We We take inspiration when we need it. And then we are the inspiration when we can show it. That's that's exactly it. But you know, guidepost two is also very important. Cultivating self compassion, letting go of perfectionism. And that is one that I think a lot of us really struggle with. The whole idea that if you're gonna do it, it has to be perfect. You know, you can strive to be your best without striving for perfection. And, you know, Perfectionism is less about wanting to do the right thing and more about earning approval and acceptance. Perfectionism itself is very self-destructive and it can actually be an addictive belief system because you're looking for an unattainable goal because there really is no actual perfection i taught a course online and it had these maxims for teachers it was about it was a leadership class for teachers and one of the maxims was perfection is an illusion and that just always has really stuck with me because when you think you have to meet this unattainable goal that's where you get the feelings of shame judgment blame when something doesn't go perfectly you know, like, like you know, in our, our own life, Sherry, with the Delayed on Tonight social network. Mm-hmm. Is it perfect? No, it's nope. not. <laughs> and if we were looking for a platform, but there's really no platform right now that is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Facebook for different reasons, but Facebook wasn't perfect. There's many flaws there. Every you know, if if we were looking for the perfect place, we would still be looking. There isn't one, and so sometimes you just have to say, "Well, this is not going to be perfect." Whatever it is you're doing, whether it's writing a book, starting a podcast, even having somebody over for dinner, you know, I had you know you know how I've loved to bake bread. I had some friends over from dinner chat, and I had friends over, and my rolls didn't turn out that night. And I'm like, they're gummy. I don't know why that happened, but. You just, things are not going to be perfect. And so by learning to acknowledge, we do have, we, we want things to be perfect. We want to put out those roles and people say, these are the best roles I've ever had. But when the, when they don't, when they turn out gummy, we can still embrace our imperfections. Those roles did not define me. Right. You tried. You gave I it did. your best shot. I did. It didn't go as planned. That night they were weird. <laughs> yeah. And that is
0: Okay. And that kind of leads us into guidepost three, which is cultivating a resilient spirit, letting go of numbing and powerlessness. So resilient people, they're resourceful. They have good problem-solving skills. They're more likely to seek help from others. They believe they can make changes to help them cope. They have good social support. And they also have been shown to have strong connection with friends and family. Three essentials to being resilient are the ability to cultivate hope, to be able to practice critical awareness and to let go of numbing and taking the edge off when feeling vulnerable or uncomfortable. So a lot of people have developed this habit of numbing when feeling vulnerable or when they're in pain or when they're uncomfortable. And what research has shown is that addiction occurs when people chronically numb to take the edge off their feelings. So the problem with numbing is like you feel bad, so you numb the bad feelings. But when you numb the bad feelings, you also numb your good feelings. So part of, you know, cultivating resilient spirit means you lean into discomfort. And that helps to teach you to live with joy and gratitude because you can't feel joy and gratitude if you're just numb all the time. And Brene makes a suggestion for avoiding numbing behaviors, and she says you have to get deliberate and then do a daily check-in, and she says to practice the vowel check, A-E-I-O-U. A is for abstinence. Did you choose to abstain from your numbing behavior, whether it be booze, food, work, the computer, whatever your numbing activity of choices? E, exercise. Did you get some exercise today? I ask yourself, what have I done for myself today? This is where self-care comes in. Oh, what have I done for others today? Giving back to others is important. You, what unexpressed emotions am I holding in today? Take a second and really think about that. You know, you can write it down if you're a writer, or you can just process the thoughts in your head. And then why? Yay, give gratitude. What is something positive that happened today? Um, and I think those are really great. That's a great exercise.
1: I think so too. And that leads straight into guidepost four, which is cultivating gratitude and joy, letting go of scarcity and fear of the dark. I'm actually I have another book that I've been reading called Hardwiring Happiness. And it was written by a researcher talking about how we can train our brains to be hardwired for happiness. And gratitude is a big part of that. And it actually does rewire your brain. We talked in depth about the importance of incorporating gratitude in episode 16 of the Life Lessons podcast. So go back, listen to that one if you haven't. Maybe have another listen, even if you already did. So Brene noticed as she was doing her research that people who described themselves as joyful also actively practiced gratitude and they connected the two together. Their joyfulness was related to their gratitude practice. And if we're constantly living in that scarcity mindset or fear of what's to come, it steals our ability to be present in a moment or to be grateful and to feel joy for what's happening right now. I think this also really goes with the perfectionist one in a way, because if you're always looking for perfection, nothing is going to ever measure up. You can't be grateful for this apple because this apple has a brown spot on it. If only I'd picked a better apple, but instead, just eat the rest of the apple and not. But you. So perfectionism keeps you from being grateful, and and they really work together in such a negative way. So if you are starting to feel, you know, caught up in being vulnerable or fearful, stop, think about that, say out loud, you know, I feel vulnerable and that's okay, but I am. But I'm grateful for, you know, whatever. And so take the moment to find the thing you're grateful for. And over time, that'll help increase your capacity for joyfulness. And it'll rewire your brain to look for the good.
0: Mm -hmm. Guidepost five is cultivating intuition and trusting faith. It's letting go of certainty. So over time, we lose connection with our innate sense of intuition, our gut instincts. Uh, We talked about that last week as well. Experiences happen, we lose faith in ourselves and our problem solving skills. And rather than honing our skills of intuition, we start to turn to others to solve our problems and get reassurance from others. So you can't decide what color to paint your room. So now you start surveying your friends and sending out, you know, 16 text messages saying, which color do I pick? I mean, that can really just infiltrate your life in so many ways. So you just have to really teach yourself to have faith in your ability to make decisions. And after much research, Brene describes faith as a place of mystery where we find courage to believe in what we cannot see and the strength to let go of our fear of uncertainty. So slow down, be still, listen to your gut, get in touch with your intuition, And when you make a decision, have faith in your choice. Don't second guess yourself.
1: Do you know what story this is brought up? Remember the the, the paint trim? (laughs) (laughs) We repainted. We were painting the trim in the dining room and when we were remodeling and he he came home with, I don't know, do you know how many colors of white and off-white there are at the paint store? Like nine million, million. (laughs) nine million. And we had all nine million paint chips. And so he's like, which one do you like? So he handed me all the chips and I looked at all the chips. I held them up. I looked at them and I said, this is the one. And then for the next, I swear to God, two weeks. It might've been longer. It might've been longer. Sherry knows because I was like, <laughs> I would like send photos secretly. I'm like, look at what's happening. He's still looking at the paint. He would walk around with the, all the paint chips and hold She's one She's like, up. why can't he just choose a paint chip? Well, And I'm like, I don't even care. Pick a paint, whatever. And I mean, <laughs> Looking at all of them for like a long time. And then guess which one he picked?
0: The first one.
1: The one I picked in two minutes. Because my gut told me that was right. And also, I'm really good at picking color. So, yes. Anyway, that just made me think of it. Let go of certainty. There's so many colors, they're all going to be fine, really. We probably could have right. picked any of those 300. Exactly. Been okay. <laughs> we also realized at that time that in our kitchen, all the trim is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Over by the sink, that white trim is a different tr- white than the w- trim over there. We never had even noticed it before. My
0: house is the same way. It and didn't, I didn't even matter. I didn't notice till I started, paint, tr- you know, uh, touching up a little bit of trim. And then I was like, wait, this side of the door's trim is a little bit different than this side of the door's trim. Guess what I did? Left it. <laughs> 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 or else I could have been repainting the trim all through my house. Forever. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so guidepost six, cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. That one is huge. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, comparison is the thief of joy. Because we can compare anything in your life, literally anything, your eyebrows to your weight to the car you drive. And, you know, there's always gonna be somebody with something better than you have of whatever it is, better at something. And so letting go of that, letting go of conforming or fitting in and comparing. It takes work. It takes awareness. You know, we each have something to contribute to the world, something that's original, something that cannot be compared to what other people do. That's where our individual creativity comes in. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, I don't want to be, you know, Dr. Rhonda Patrick with her take on intermittent fasting. I want to be me, who I am. I've got my My things that are important for me to say, and we don't all have to do the same thing and be the same person. So be original and what speaks to you. Again, being authentic, like we talked about in in the other guidepost. no matter what it is, creativity doesn't just mean like whether you're painting or writing a book. It's everything that you do in your life. You do it in a creative way for you, whether it's, you know, choosing a paint color or what you're going to have for dinner or how you set the table. Yeah. Or how you garden in your yard, you whatever. Embrace whatever whatever
0: that is. My creativity, I didn't even, I would have never said I was a creative person, really. But Jen and I were working on the Delay Don't Deny Social Network website. And Jen is a better writer than me. But you know what I was really good at? Was finding photos to match the groups that we made. And I was like, oh, look, this photo really represents this group. And I had so much fun doing it. And so she played up her
1: creative strengths. I played up mine and it came together and worked out perfectly. It sure did. And, you know, the you could have been telling yourself that lie in your head that you're not creative, which is a lie mm-hmm. because you might not have been creative in the way like maybe you're not a painter.
0: Absolutely not.
1: Well, I'm talking like painting a picture, not like <laughs> painting the doorframe. I can't, but, you know, I
0: can't paint a stick figure, <laughs> No. <laughs> but I'll try. There you go. Yeah, called to play, play and rest, post seven. It is letting go, this is a big one. This is one I have to work on. Letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. During all of Brene's research, she noticed that wholehearted people played a lot. Now, I used to say, work hard, play hard. That was my like life motto. And then I just got busier and busier and busier and I realized I don't play nearly as enough. My husband might. Disagree. He thinks he thinks I play a lot.
1: <laughs> you don't. Dem- you he work hard.
0: Play at all. Right. Playing helps shape the brain. It helps to foster empathy. It helps you build strong social groups, and it is important for creativity and innovation. And all too often, t- people tie their measure of success to their productivity, to their network, to how. Often they are busy. Um, And we live in a culture, especially nowadays, that celebrates and rewards people for all work and no play, as well as little rest. Yet we are one of the most exhausted and stressed nations raising exhausted and stressed children. So in order to live wholeheartedly, Brene encourages people to let go of exhaustion as a status symbol and to let go of productivity as a measure of self-worth and instead become intentional Intentional about cultivating sleep and play.
1: And, you know, this just makes me think of all those years that I spent, you know, as Facebook got more and more demanding of my time mm-hmm. and I never could be really present in my life. And I felt like, you know, the, the more busy it got, the more demands on my time, like I could barely even sleep at night because they people needed me. People needed me. I would wake up in the morning and see how people needed me while I was sleeping and busy, busy, busy. And it did turn into exhaustion, because it never stopped, and so walking away from that has allowed you time to downshift. Yeah, and to rest. And I'm reading fiction books again. I I've been doing jigsaw puzzles. That's so. Fun. Did you know that I like to do jigsaw puzzles? I didn't. Yeah, I've done two
0: That's <laughs> in the past great. couple
1: of weeks, and it's just, you know, it's just it's a way of of, of spending time with myself mm-hmm. and and taking the time to rest instead of feeling like, you know, for me. It can be really easy. To, people are always telling me, you should do this. You should do that. You should whatever. And it's nice to say, I don't want to do all that. Right. Yeah, I feel guilty if
0: I'm like, I'm tired. I've worked four nights straight. I really just want to take a day. And I want to just chill and read a book for pleasure or sit here and just listen to podcasts or binge watch some TV. And I feel guilty. And I'm like, well, see, oh, I'm not. I'm not no, feeling guilty. I'm doing it. I still it. have this, this, and this to do. But yep. I have really, in the last couple months, since we did our self-care episode, yep. Really force myself to, if my body says it needs rest today,
1: I'm going to take rest. Exactly. We have to do it. All right. Guidepost eight is cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. So many of us just feel anxious all the time. So we have to figure out what it's like to be less anxious, to be more still. Because being anxious doesn't solve your problem. It doesn't fix anything. It just makes you feel. It just puts you in a tailspin. It does, and it's bad for our bodies. So take time to sit with your thoughts, don't rush into things, take time to breathe. And so when Brene talks about stillness, it's not focusing on nothingness, it's about creating a, a kind of a clearing opening it up it's opening up an emotionally clutter free space and giving ourselves the chance to feel and think and dream and question and just pay attention to what calm and stillness look like to you. It might be a walk outside, meditation, a warm bath. For me this afternoon before we recorded the podcast, we had to pause because we were having a thunderstorm and it was very loud thunder. I took some time and I was sitting on my screen porch that doesn't have a floor yet. So it's like <laughs> dirt. In a chair, I was pretending I was at the beach, but I just listened to the thunder and it was nice. I said, Sherry, we're going to have to record when this is over. But I was really embracing that. You know, I have
0: that. I think I shared about it maybe on the podcast. I have the uh, Life Pro. They have an eye massager and you put it on and it like massages your eyes, stimulates lymph flow, the whole thing. And I put it on because it forces me to be still. 15 minutes that I cannot look at my phone. I can't be doing anything. I have to literally just recline in my chair and be still and sort of process my thoughts for the day. And it's been very helpful for me because I am not a still
1: person. Yeah, I'm not not good at it either. But <laughs> thunderstorms so, and the ocean, yes. those are two places where I can really... Yeah. Be be present. I'm working on a way. You know, part of it, it's hard for me to go to the beach because Chad doesn't like to go to the beach, I've realized. Right. And so I have to leave him home. But he and I have had some good discussions about it lately where I'm like, I feel guilty going and leaving him here. But he's like, stop. Just go. I don't care. Go. Good. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. (laughs) Great.
0: Have him call my husband. There you go. (laughs) I would love my husband to say, why don't you go to the beach for a week with Jen? Guidepost 9 is cultivating meaningful work, letting go of self-doubt and supposed to. It's about cultivating your gifts and talents. And when we share those with the world, we create a sense of meaning and purpose. When we don't use our talents to cultivate meaningful work, we will find ourselves in struggle. We'll feel a sense of disconnection. Um, That's when people end up feeling frustrated. They start struggling with feelings of emptiness, resentment, shame, and even disappointment. No one except you can determine what is meaningful to you. And many times people don't cultivate meaningful work because they worry that they are, quote, supposed to be worrying more about money or position or you know that, that big flashy title than having passion and meaning in their life. Uh, others oftentimes have hopes and dreams for you. I know you've heard these parents who are like, I want you to be a doctor or an attorney or whatever, but you, so many people will follow those paths because they don't wanna disappoint others. But if you choose work that is not meaningful to you, then you are not living a wholehearted life. So you need to figure out what inspires you. Make a list. It doesn't have to be practical. Figure out what you want to do when you grow up. What brings meaning to your life and then go do that.
1: That's been you know, a tough one in our life. We have a, a son who graduated from Georgia Tech with a 4.0, and then we have another one who dropped out of art school. And I, I said, he called me from, from Savannah College of Art and Design, which is an amazing place. And he said, I want to come home. This is not. Wasn't the path he wanted. This this isn't preparing me for what I want to do. I want to do something different. And I'm like, come on home. Come home. And, you know, letting him pursue his path. And he's got to find, you know, he's got his gifts and talents and he's cultivating them now and giving him space to do that instead of saying, of course you have to go to college. Look at your brother. He had a four. I mean, no. Mm hmm. You've got to find your way. Letting them make those mistakes and find their way is just not easy. But do it for yourself, not just for your child, but do it for you. What do you want to do? I mean, my husband is
0: 38 years old.
1: Yeah. And he he
0: still hasn't figured out what he wants to do when he grows up. And the saddest part for me is he doesn't know what his passion is. And so we have a lot of conversations about him trying to figure out what is meaningful to him? What is his passion? What is the right path for him?
1: It's hard. it's hard and and I, I don't know how we help people figure that out in a better way, mm-hmm. but what we're doing right now is not helping. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right, Guidepost ten. this is one of my favorites cultivating laughter, song, and dance. Sherry knows I'll bust out a song, yeah. <laughs> And, and the dance. And, and, time and dance. <laughs> and letting go of being cool and always in control. So during Brene's research, she learned that laughter, song, and dance create emotional and spiritual connection. They remind us of the one thing that truly matters when we're searching for comfort, celebration, inspiration, or healing, and that is we are not alone. So sometimes our desire to always be in control or be cool will prevent us from from taking part in that laughter or the song and the dance. So add them in anyway, you know. Start small, and soon maybe that joy will override that n- that need to be you know in control. I'll turn the music on when I'm in the shower, or when I'm cooking dinner. Dance, be goofy, be free. I'm, I'm good at all that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I jam I out it. like a yeah. 17-year-old boy in my truck driving to work with my music up and, and just getting into work mode. So, you know, I, like we've said before, you pick up this book, do the work. You know, there's a lot of guideposts that are really, that you're going to look at and be like, wow, I really need to work on that. And some of them you might be like, oh, I got that, I got that. But the idea is to to implement them all and to live a wholehearted life, live your best life. Before we get to the Lesnar-led lesson of the week, we wanna take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And we're gonna talk about ButcherBox. You may have heard us talk about ButcherBox before. Uh, They always have great deals that new members can take advantage of. Like right now at the time of this recording, the deal is for free bacon for life.
1: In every order. That is amazing.
0: Yes. By the time this episode airs, there will be a new special. It changes every three weeks or so. I personally signed up during the free bacon for life offer because I love uncured bacon. It's hard to find where I live. So that was perfect for me. Um, I get one free package of bacon every time I order. For the longest time, Jen and I would complain about the taste and quality of chicken that we were receiving in some of our meal kits or even from the grocery store. And it got to the point where I was primarily eating red meat. And for a girl that was red meat free for nearly a decade, that was a huge change for me. So Jen, while she was writing her book, had d- done some research and she found out that there is a true condition called Woody Chicken Breast Syndrome. I'm not it making sounds this so up. It so crazy, I know. I know. It is an abnormality in the muscle of the chicken breast, causing it to be tough, pale, and hard. When a healthy chicken breast and a woody chicken breast were compared with medical imaging, it can be seen radiographically. There are steps that are supposed to be taken to remove these breasts from the food supply, but clearly they are passing inspection at some plants. With Butcher Box, I have never received a woody chicken breast. Their breasts are tender, juicy, and delicious and taste the way chicken used to taste. I am back to eating almost exclusively chicken and fish again, and I'm saving red meat for an occasional meal here and there. Uh, when that when I'm wanting some, they have great roasts and their fillets are amazing. So, if you are interested in checking out Butcher Box and to see what the deal that's going on right now is, go to lifelessonscommunity.com and visit the Shop with Us tab.
1: Scroll down, you'll see a link for Butcher Box. So next we have a segment we call our Listener-Led Lesson, and today's Listener-Led Lesson comes from Larissa in North Carolina. She says, a great way to liven up your marriage when things get in a rut is to add some fun back in. This really fits in with what we were just saying. Find a silly game you can play together, turn on some music and sing and dance together, try to have an entire conversation using movie quotes or silly voices, go out and explore nature together, check out a theme park or zoo. Whatever you do, the most important part is to keep the busyness of life out of the equation and just enjoy each other's company like you used to when you first started dating. Don't take things too seriously and just have fun. Perfect.
0: At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote actually comes from my husband, and he sent this to me, and it was very special, and I feel like it goes right along with today's lesson. It was a screenshot of a poem from a book, and I don't know what book or who it's from, But it's one of the sweetest things he's ever sent me, and I want to gift it to you, too. The poem is called Perfect. It reads, I love you just the way you are, but you don't see you like I do. You shouldn't try so hard to be perfect. Trust me, perfect should try to be you.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. That's the perfect way to end today. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So now you're going to take his compliments because he sees you as perfect just the way you are. Yep. So, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Definitely get a copy of Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Get it on Audible. Get the, pay, the hardback. Okay? Refer to them often. Join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll get a new one every week. Who knows what we're going to be talking about next week? It'll always be something different, something interesting. Don't forget to leave a review so that we can reach others. Do you have a story to share for our Good News segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.